Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the week two college football review and week one Monday night NFL football preview. I'm Stucky and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson, fresh off the uh, Cal Washington game just ending. Yeah, a couple hours sleep, fresh off Cal Washington, uh, which finished way after Hawaii's beat of Oregon State. Woke up this morning, made a little bit of coffee, and Nick Rolovich is tweeting out pictures of the Rose Bowl. <laughs> now, I almost had to suffer to start my day with Michigan Army. No one could score, and it goes to overtime 14-14, and you're sick. You're sick when you have an under 48 because just two touchdowns to start, and you're pretty much doomed. And luck, that's what happened. But luckily, Michigan had to settle for a field goal. Army then turned it over. We'll get to much more about that game, especially on the voicemails. I'll get lit up and uh, have to eat some crow. What was your favorite moment of yesterday before we get into it? There was a ton. I had, I mean, an extremely good day uh, uh, from a gambling angle. It started off a little trippy. I wasn't happy with Nebraska and Colorado going to overtime. That killed the under. Uh, me turning around last week and getting on Clemson minus 16 to complement the Texas A&M plus 20. That almost paid off with the safety there at the end. Almost became a game that was going to be at 19. Who knows if that touchdown would have happened at the end, but the middle opportunity almost happened. But after that, it was pure gold. I, I, every single bet cashed after like two o'clock in the afternoon yesterday and LSU Texas was fantastic as advertised so it was kind of pushing money in the morning slate and then everything else was on fire yeah we'll get to we'll get we're gonna go through each conference here and we'll also get to voicemails we'll talk about our best call worst call bet regret we're gonna add a new segment here this year box score frauds so we'll, we'll call out the teams that won fraudulently that you know even though they won maybe even covered they probably deserve a downgrade and PRs in mm-hmm. your power ratings. I'll say my favorite moment I had, you know, one for peanuts, but I, you know, I know that people follow, especially the FCS. Sometimes I hate to burn like great lucky covers on FCS games because of limits, but Furman, well, first Maine had this ridiculous. So I got Maine at like plus 10 and a half, but I know a lot of people got like eight, eight and a half. Maine cut it to 10 and then went for two. And I believe you had Maine plus eight and a half, right? I did, yeah. Maine went for two and made this ridiculous catch in the back of the end zone to lose by eight. And then Furman against Georgia State, it was exhilarating. Trailing by six with the ball, catching seven and a half against Georgia State. Furman has the ball at their own 20 with like two minutes to go. They're down six. They go four and out. Nightmare. Can't even get a first down. And there was a missed call, a missed P.I., which was brutal on fourth down. So then Georgia State gets the ball, but Furman has one timeout, so they can't really take a knee. So they run it on first down. They get like four yards. They run it on second down. They get like three yards. And they all they need to do is get a first down without scoring, and they're running towards the goal line, and this running back gets hit, and he flips up in the air, 
right by, I'm just saying like right at the goal line, flips up in the air and, you know, tries to reach the ball. It looked like he scored a touchdown. The ref placed it on the one millimeter line <laughs> right at the nose of the ball in the end zone. And I think that the, the running back was trying to convince him to review it. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to review it. I mean, the game is over. And then they lined up and then the quarterback was finally like, everyone get back. We're going to the victory formation. And they took a knee. So that was exhilarating. But the best moment of the day, I don't care what anyone says, was Texas A&M, Clemson, a terrible game. But then you had two coaches going at it at the very end to cover because you Mm -hmm. play to cover the game. Jimbo calling timeouts. Venables wanting to stop him. Gets down to a fourth down. Jimbo calls a timeout, draws up a play that gets a wide open touchdown. I went bonkers. That was (laughs) awesome. That is why betting is the best. That was my favorite moment of the day. That's why everybody, I'm sure, was in the stadium was because of that. But that that was a great little chess match that we got to watch there. Just Kellerman didn't – he was good, and, and, and the stats support him and everything, but he just didn't look as clean. He didn't. It wasn't as smooth as what he had uh, the year before. Uh, they weren't able to generate a fourth-quarter comeback like they did the year before. I'm just going to give a little shout-out to Sacramento State. If we're throwing FCS around, I don't know how Arizona State goes up to Michigan State, and that game goes over 10 points. Sacramento State should not be in a position to try to beat Arizona State. Uh, so, I mean, from an FCS standpoint, point i've got that but man where are the points going to come from with michigan state and arizona state you know i was just talking about clemson texas a&m so it's going to lead me into my rant of the week let me get this over with now all right let it out this is your rant of the week all right i need to talk about two things that had me livid yesterday both about refs the first is that clemson texas a&m game like i covered but it's still the principle of what happened on that safety was the, one of the most outrageous things i've ever seen in my life there was a safety on the field. That's what happened. And then they said, we're going to review it to see if it was a safety. And then they came back and said, you know, there was uh, 12 men on the field. And then they reviewed it. And then they came back and said, nah, there wasn't. But, you know, we blew the whistle. So, but they didn't blow the whistle. That was absolutely outrageous. There was missed. There were so many bad calls for Texas A&M. Clemson clearly deserved to win. Mon played awful. Texas A&M had a ton of injuries too, but Clemson was the, the clear better team in that game. But my other biggest rant is, can we please stop? LSU is legit. I didn't think they were as good as they were, and that offense was as good as it is already this quickly. Shout out to that clown on, on Twitter from Bama who was trying to chirp at me saying, well, this, does this mean, this doesn't mean they can beat Bama. I don't know. I didn't say anything about Bama or if they could beat Bama. They could compete with Bama. We won't know anything about Bama until they stop playing Little Sisters of the Poor. But my main rant here is we got to stop with these refs in these big conference, non-conference games between SEC and Big 12 or whatever it is with using refs from one of the, one of the conferences. Why are we not using neutral conference refs? This should be done in, in every non-conference game. Uh, they mm-hmm. should be using the playoff, especially the major ones, the big ones. Like, I, I'm not saying that they're all corrupt or anything, but, like, you shouldn't have any potential bias. It's easy enough to get a Big 12 crew to go to the, an SEC Big 12 game for LSU Texas. Crazy that we don't – you don't – why even have anyone potentially question it? Yeah, that live line got down to minus 150 at one point uh, between LSU and Texas, and I thought to the back of my head, there's no way in hell these, these SEC refs are letting LSU come in here and get this loss. I don't care if the, I don't care if the game gets down to two points. They're not letting LSU – lose this game so I think I'll take another dip here you know most people are here for the voicemails that'll lead us into some conversations about certain games here so let's just get right into them bad beats back doors and miracle covers however you're feeling we want to hear from you you have reached the voicemail box of the action network podcast the guy is drunk but there he goes let's check this week's messages 
just going in to remind everyone that Colin advised us that this would be a down year for Ohio State and Penn State, and we would be wiser to invest in Michigan. Nice call, you chucklehead. Hey, Colin, it's Minor Mother Effin Nation. I just want to say I saw the two buried us this weekend, along with myself. And, uh, yeah, it's Friday night. I just want to say that was a great bet, and I'm going to call you back tomorrow after Minor Nation covers, and we get paid, brother. All right? I'll your boy. Minor Nation, woo! Uh, so we never got a call back because it didn't cover. I believe you pushed. Yeah. Uh, so we have to get a, a shout-out to El Paso. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Uh, look, they were dreadful. Uh, I think they lost 38-3. I'll let you talk about that game. But I do want to say <clears throat> something we talked about on our live show at 1030 on Saturday mornings um, that we do live from YouTube. You know, you can check it on Twitter if you didn't see it. We'll tweet out the link every Saturday morning. But one of the things I said, and I bet you, is that UMass, I had UTEP as the <laughs> worst team. And I said UMass will finish below UTEP and be the worst team in the nation by the end of the year. And boy, I didn't think they'd prove it that quickly, but I think that I'm dropping them to the worst team in the nation. I mean, look, UConn, hung with Illinois, has looked a little better. And UMass is the new UConn. You saw what Rutgers did to UMass and then what they did to Iowa when they, I don't think they scored. And UMass gave up, I think, eight yards of play to Southern Illinois and got trucked at home. I think UMass is the worst team. Any, any comments on uh, UMass or UTEP? UMass is now the worst team in the Action Network Power Rankings. Freshly yeah. updated this morning. Uh, they are a half point behind UTSA, who uh, is in a really good spot this week. I will say this. UMass, as bad as they are, and we don't really know how bad they are, they're playing a team where I have no clue exactly how good they are. They're playing a team I think I can't even get a correct power rating number on because I was so impressed uh, with Charlotte and how they played Appalachian State. We'll get to that in a little bit. But as far as UTEP goes, zero explosive plays. Nothing. They couldn't get anything going against a Texas Tech defense that was allowing anybody to run up and down the field the week before. Matt Wells did take his foot off the gas there at the end. He did score a touchdown late, but there's nothing you could do. I mean, when, I mean, when the lane's wide open, you got to run the ball. All right, so minor nation, no pizza party for our boy down in El Paso. We'll have to settle for a push. Uh, hopefully he got a 35. Moving on. Hey, fellas. This is Andy from Ann Arbor. Michigan is a fraud. They're completely fraudulent. And when this line for this game first came out, I thought, you know what? I should take Army. 22 points is a hell of a lot. Michigan looked bad in week one. Then I listened to you, and of course I reversed myself, and look at how f***ed I am. Garbage. Colin, sucky, Dylan from Iowa. You know, nothing but death, taxes, and service academy unders. Didn't a wise man once say that? And here we are betting against service academies as big-time dogs? Why? 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 Hey, guys. This is Coleman. I listen to this podcast. You guys are pretty funny. Sometimes you say something that makes a little bit of sense. You tell me Army has no fullback. What you forgot to mention is that Michigan can't play any defense whatsoever and has no gap discipline, and every time they needed to make a stop, they couldn't. Don't even get into fumble luck on me because they deserve to lose most of those fumbles with the way they played. What a f- terrible pick. Great podcast. Keep up the good work, boys. This is John from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Stucky, my man, the last person on earth I thought would take f- Michigan. Three scores or more versus Army. That's your game. That's your team. Army 
as a 21, 22, 22 and a half point underdog and you f- take Michigan, you're not going to get over that for weeks. I couldn't believe it when I saw it on the app. I feel for you, brother. Mark in Ohio, tell me about Army's fullback. Ah, oh, they're fullback. The Army's fullback's just not, he's just not what he needs to be. Army's, Army's not looking good. Tell me more about Army's fullback. What's his name? Nobody knows. These guys are good. What are you doing? All right. So, uh, yes, I am devastated. I'm not going to get over for weeks that I faded a service academy with a favorite over three touchdowns. But what I will say about that game is, look, if Army – in my write-up, I did say Slump could come back. He was hurt last week, and he could hurt a fullback, and he definitely did. But, look, if Army gets behind in the game, they're fucked. And, you know, th- certain games you're just not going to cover – because of fumble luck. Now, that wasn't the result here, but that game should have been as close. I think Army recovered like five fumbles in that game. Michigan recovered a fumble for a touchdown, and they didn't allow it to play out, and then they fumbled the next play. You know, Michigan gets up in that game. I mean, it's good night for Army. But, look, Michigan's run defense was not good. Their gap control was awful, and they just played really sloppy. Again, penalties, the play calling was, eh, they weren't throwing it enough. Look, they were just sloppy once again for the second week in a row. And some of this is regression. I think they lost like one fumble last year. But don't overreact. Oklahoma beat Army in overtime last year and went to the college football playoff. You know, so Michigan did escape. They have a lot of things to work on, on both sides of the ball. But don't overreact to week two. I remember, you know, a couple years ago, Ohio State lost at home to Vatech. Everyone was shitting on Ohio State. Sorry to bring this up, Kongs. I know you had a TCU future. But I bought Ohio State 50-1 to after week two. If Michigan drops in the market significantly, you know, if they lost this game, I might have bought them again. I don't know. If they won out, they probably still go to the college football playoff. Michigan isn't necessarily done, but this offense needs to get the fuck going, and they need to get better on the defensive line. Wisconsin minus three right now is the projection for next week's game. Both both these uh, teams. fucking good, man. I mean, it shouldn't change because they're both on a bye week after after games yesterday. I don't know what price I would buy Michigan in the futures market now because – Stuck mentioned a lot of things. We got problems on both sides of the ball. We got problems with the defense. They can't handle anything up the gut. Uh, they're getting beat on the outside, on the on the outside contain. I'm looking at the play calling. If Shea Patterson isn't fumbling the ball, uh, he's hitting Tariq Black or some of the other wide receivers out in space, and they are not able to create anything for an explosive play. This was supposed to be an explosive offense. It's not going down the field. Shea Patterson is just a stiff wind. A stiff October wind is going to get that ball to come out of his hands. It's It's been a really, really poor poor start for Michigan. Uh, they can still turn the season around. Like I think I said this in the preseason. If they lose to Army, does Josh Gaddis get his play calling taken away from him? So now here we are, you know, virtually going to overtime. Does Josh Gaddis get his play calling or at least a little bit of his duties pulled back and Harbaugh kind of steps in and takes over some of the play calling? And I said this in the summer, if they can get through Wisconsin, the rest of the schedule is is pretty much something sets up to where we're going to get to Ohio State, and that'll decide whether they can go to the playoff. So I'm going to wait. I, I'm not confident that they can get through Wisconsin, especially with how good Wisconsin looks. Uh, so I'll reassess here uh, in two weeks from now. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a couple things that you have to keep in mind. We'll talk about this game much more. But Michi- this bye week helps Michigan so much more than Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to do what they do, right? They're going to give it to Taylor, try to play solid defense. They really haven't played anybody. Um, but, you know, in South Florida, it looks, ter- looked terrible once again. But Jonathan Jones touched the ball 40 times through two games. He has 300 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, that's pretty damn good. But LSU, I mean, Wisconsin's going to do what they do. Michigan is still trying to work out this new offense. They got two games under their belt. So this bye week and two weeks to work out some of the kinks 
also get healthier. Michigan has some things that, that should have them looking better in two weeks, but we'll get to more of that game the following week as both teams have a bye. Moving on here. Knock, knock. Who is it? Who is it? Knock, knock. What? What's it? Oh, there, it's not... It's at the back door. Who is it? Oh, it's Jimbo. It's Jimbo at the back door, baby. Woo, Texas A&M. Oh, my God. What a game. What a game for a gambler. By the way, I watched your guys' live show for the first time, and you guys looked nothing like what I thought you did. Stucky looks like a combination of John Calipari and Quentin Tarantino, and I just assumed Colin was like a lanky, skinny, tasty dude, but he's like this big, burly dude with a beard that I don't want to f*** with. Anyway, Texas A&M in the back door. Yeah, Ben from Lexington. Um, Oh, big surprise, Colin. uh, Arkansas sucked again. Yeah, well, Colin always picks against Kentucky. They covered again, 2-0 against the spread, going to win over five and a half games. Nice power rating, Colin. you. I mean, go to hell. Uh, I want to say... We had two Kentucky mentions there. Someone from Kentucky, I swear that wasn't me. Uh, 2-0 against the spread for the worst against the spread coach in the country that's active. And he decided, Stoops decided not to take a knee. Kentucky went for a touchdown and to cover, to win by three touchdowns. They're a 14 and a half point favorite, and they could have taken a knee at the end. So sucks if you had Eastern Michigan. In regards to Arkansas, that game was atrocious. And uh, I said it might be the worst SEC game ever. You said you were searching back in the archives. Any thoughts on your hogs? Woo pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. Yeah, first off, I don't understand why I'm being yelled at about Kentucky. I didn't have a bet on that game. I don't understand why I'm being yelled at about Arkansas. I didn't have a bet on that game either. We are, uh, let's see, Ben Hicks played the first half. I'm not going to waste podcast time on these guys. I think people are tired of hearing this shit. Arkansas. Don't ever use any of your money to back these guys. Arkansas is 1-17 in in conference play since November of 2016. It's an amazing stat. You know, lining up incorrectly, flags on this, flags on that. Execution is probably the worst in FBS right now. Chad Morris is putting it on them to step up this week. Step up and answer the revenge spot against Colorado State. We are the most poorly executed team in the nation. We barely had the talent to hang with Portland State. So think about that when these Colorado State-Arkansas lines open up today. Um, All right, Colin, we know that you will be betting Arkansas at some point this season. I'm willing to go out on a limb and uh, bet you that. I'll bet you the dinner in Vegas for the national title. You will have one bet on Arkansas this year. Let's finish up. It probably LSU because I'm going to need a couple guys to fall down at the goal line. Yeah, you're definitely betting Arkansas in that game. All right, let's move on. Stack. Juice, Rochester, New York. I spent last night in the arms of a girl in Louisiana. Even though I'm on the road, my wallet's still with her. Your boy got paid. Appreciate you guys tonight. I know a lot of people call here. They bitch, they moan about games they lost by half a point. Wah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Hey, got paid tonight. Find a bunch of drinks for some people tonight. Jam some f***ing Garth Brooks calling Baton Rouge on the uh, jukebox. And we're f***ing rolling, all right? I love you guys. I listen every week. And let's get paid. Uh, whoever you are, I love you. And uh, I want to party with you in Vegas and come out for the national title. But I, I just want to say I love you. Longhorn Nation, I actually upgraded you in, in the power ratings. Uh, I think your team is completely legit. 
you would give all the top teams a hell of an issue, a hell of a problem. The, the margin, I mean, there wasn't really that great of a margin between you guys and LSU. I know that they got up to two-score lead at, uh, at some point in the fourth quarter, and they were that way going into halftime. But I was thoroughly impressed. There was way more pressure on Joe Burrow than I thought there would be. I, I love the way Ellinger played. Uh, Ellinger can come back from anything. The, the difference in the game was is that Joe Burrow has become so comfortable back in that pocket is that if you rush him, he can hit somebody out in the flats. He has no problem going from hitting a running back in the backfield to throwing the ball downfield to hitting a slant. Whatever pressure you give him, he's able to read it and he's able to go. He, he is throwing NFL-like. He's able to check down and do his progressions. The guy is that hot right now and his and offense is perfectly fit for him. This offense can beat Alabama. This offense can hang with Alabama. This offense is going to give Alabama's defense problems, especially over the middle in the linebacker area where they're playing a whole bunch of freshmen. Longhorn Nation, you actually got upgraded in the power ratings. LSU, you were fourth. You were knocking on the door of Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia, and Texas. You got bumped up a point. Uh, you didn't really go up in the standings, I guess you would say. Uh, you didn't hop in the other teams, but you did get a positive bump in your points. LSU is, is legit. They can certainly beat Alabama. Their weapons, Joe Burrow, has looked amazing. Um, Texas, I love that team. They're, they're, they're going to compete for national title next year. Uh, yeah. And Look, they're running, they had one running back. And what really killed them, and I brought this up on the show, was their, their corners. And, you know, their safeties are so good. I'm still mad Stearns missed that tackle on third and 17. Texas probably covers. And then LSU went for two and got it, and then Texas scored. And if you got uh, late enough, that two-point conversion was huge for anyone who bet the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you got to love – but the, their corners are just – their corners were so young and got beat, and they were out on island sometimes. And that, that's voice, and that's really what, what hurt them. Um, it's only their second starts, but that team is going to be damn good next year. And yeah, LSU is legit. And I love Ellinger because he is the guy, when you back a team as a dog, I don't think there's another quarterback in the country that I would want over Ellinger down as a dog. Uh, and look, because you know why? Because maybe I mean, Trevor Lawrence too is the same way. Because when teams are playing prevent, when they, you know, they're up by two touchdowns, he can, and you know, obviously two or two, but I'm talking about the non-obvious ones. He could take off and he's going to get 10, 15 yards. Even if it's third and 20, he's going to run for 15 yards. And then, you know, on fourth down, he was making some clutch throws, but he's a great quarterback to have when you're backing Texas as a dog and you need a touchdown. Let's go. Best call, worst call, bet regret. I'll start here. My best call, it's got to be the Terps. I mean, and that's always a nice way to start the day when, you're, you know, it's funny. I, I tweeted out about five minutes before kick. I'm like that feeling you get every Saturday, like every better knows it. You just get this gut feeling. Sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it's right. Just random. But you're just like, oh my God, I'm going to lose every bet today when you're looking at your card or you're like, you know, I'm going to have a good day. I actually like when I feel I'm going to lose every bet, especially in the NFL. I love when I wake up and it's 1255 and I look at my card and I'm like, fuck, I need the Jags. I need the Bills. Browns. Yeah. <laughs> so um, but yeah, it's always nice to start out a day when you have a team that's just up by like 28 and you you know, you have it as a pick and that was Maryland just absolutely rolled. They had a couple blown coverages. Tommy DeVito is awful. Uh, Syracuse looked awful. I don't know if we're going to have to bet them against Syracuse. We'll get to that later in the week. Uh, but Maryland was damn explosive once again. And, uh, they looked very good and that was not close at all. And then, you know what? That told me this Liberty team must be absolute dog shit if they couldn't <laughs> score a damn point against Syracuse. 
It was only through prayer and divine intervention that this university has become what it is today. We want you to remember that always. My worst call, yeah. I gotta say, I just, you know, I'll let the callers who said it's gotta be Michigan and it's because I went against everything I've been telling people and that I will obey next week when Army plays UTSA. Service academies are simple teams and fading them as three touchdown underdogs is stupid and, and betting them uh, as three touchdown underdogs is smart. They, Michigan's interior defense line, I thought was going to be better. There was bad fumble luck and Slumka helped at fullback, but that was the worst call of the day for me. How about you? Best call, worst call? Yeah, I'm going to go best call with Cal. Uh, I triple dipped on this. This is probably the biggest bet that I've had in the two or three weeks that we've had college football here. Uh, I did not understand the point spread at 13. I had it set at eight against Washington. Moved against me. Another line that moved against me. Besides Ohio and Pitt, which I had some guy get in my DMs and tell me all the sharps in the world are on the Ohio Bobcats, and we don't know why you are got a bad number with Pitt, and obviously you suck, and I'm, okay, whatever. Uh, Cal it was 13, went against me at 13 and a half. When it got to 14, I said, we got to do this again. I Listen, it's, it's against my number. I am going to cling to my power numbers. I'm going to cling to my power ratings, and I'm going to make decisions on my bets based upon where I have the number set. I stayed up and watched that entire thing till three something in the morning and the cover was never in question. Cal's defense is legit. They are nasty. They are fast. They've got you. They, they, they look at your lineup. They look at your formation. They know exactly what's happening. They are going to make some noise. I'm actually a little nervous about that. Their defense versus Utah's defense would be, I don't know. I don't even know if six points would get scored. So uh, worst call of the day was going to be Michigan, but uh, you took that from me. So I'm going to go with, uh, I hate to bring it up. I'm going to go with West Virginia. How in the Sam hell did I get? I, at the, at, well, I, one of those, I could gloat over you on that. I had Missouri. Oh, my God. Well, Missouri, first off, you know, if Missouri didn't fumble the ball five times or fumble at the goal line. And, and this was the Missouri offense we expected to see. For me, this was a thing where my power rating was at 14. The number was at 14. I thought that there was way too much love for Missouri in the market. How would the team react after losing game number one? They obviously did. They had ball protection. I know Kelly Bryant left for a little while because of uh, heat fatigue, uh, but he'll be fine. Uh, so yeah, throwing a little, throwing a little change out of West Virginia, not a good idea. So I'll make that my worst call. All right. Bet regret. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk that regret. You know, I got to go. We'll we're going to cover the Mac right now. Uh, the Mac is one of my best calls of the offseason is way down. Way, 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 way down. I mean, I can't even describe how bad the Mac is. So one team I'm impressed with is Northern Illinois. And that was, out of 11 Mac teams that played yesterday, that was the only cover for Mac teams who went one and 10 against the spread. But Bowers looks incredible for Northern Illinois. They hung with Utah. Got a, a little unlucky on like fourth downs and a couple plays here and there. Uh, you know, they lost by 18, but probably should have been a little closer. But everyone else, embarrassing. You know, Ohio got the steam. We already talked about that. They lost by 10 to Pitt. Akron couldn't even cover at home against, low, the, you know, apparently UAB, who's terrible now. Bowling Green is my biggest bet regret that I didn't like with Kansas State. Their coaching changes look like they're going to be pretty good this year and a lot better than I thought already this quickly. Bowling Green lost 52 nothing. I mean, Ball State and Miami, Ohio beat FCS teams but still couldn't cover. Kent State needed overtime to beat Kennesaw State. Central Michigan lost 61 nothing. Eastern Michigan lost by three touchdowns to Kentucky. Western Michigan lost by 35 or 34 to Michigan State. And Buffalo, we'll get to this in the box score frauds probably, up at the half against Penn State and can't cover 31 and a half, lose by 32. I mean, good God. I, I mean, I don't know how I didn't fade some of these terrible Mac teams. 
uh, but specifically Bowling Green. And I knew it as soon as the first kick, I said I should have bet Kansas State. And then I watch just Kansas State touchdown. Kansas State, I have to come up on the scoreboard on the bottom. It's the worst feeling. Yeah, that's my bet regret, not fading the Mac, which looks horrendous. Oh, well, I'm going to, my bet regret is Oregon. Uh, I knew Nevada was a box score fraud from week one. Uh, they had no business winning that game against Purdue. Uh, and Oregon was going to be a bit pissed off after what happened against Auburn. Uh, they were in Auburn's backfield all day, played a decent game. For me, uh, if Cristobal is matched up against a coach that's smarter than him, then I'm never going to take Oregon. But in a situation like this against Nevada, should have figured that the final score would be 77 to 6. So bet regret is definitely Oregon. Yeah, I had that under. Ugh, Nevada unders. Are, I hate Nevada. That Nevada team is atrocious. We saw it against Purdue. They should have been down like 45 nothing in that game. Needed pure <laughs> luck. Strong looked awful. He looked awful. But yeah, yesterday he was 13 of 25 for 80 yards and two picks. Uh, that Nevada team is so bad. They were fumbling punts. They couldn't even snap a punt. Um, they had 190 total yards. They only scored six points, and the game goes over 62. That was fun. So let's move on and talk about – well, let's talk about box score frauds. Yeah. Look, I'm going to start here. I already mentioned Buffalo. I think Buffalo outgained Penn State and, and didn't cover, which is pretty funny. Someone sent that to me this morning. 429 to 357. Amazing. And the biggest one is Wyoming. Wyoming, I, I'm sick to my stomach still. Texas State didn't win. Not only didn't they win, they didn't cover. And the craziest stat that you'll hear today, Texas State went 0 for 2 in field goals. I just needed one to cover. They lost by 9. They've gone 10 straight games without a field goal make. 10 straight games without a field goal make your beloved Bobs. And they've missed like seven extra points over that time span. 10 straight games. I'm not even making that up, but they did everything I thought they would do. They threw a pick six. It's the only reason Wyoming covered this game. Wyoming still can't throw the ball. Chambers, eight of 18, hundred yards and a pick running the ball. They ran it 50 times as we thought for 200 yards. It's good defense. Well, four yards a carry. Texas State outgained them. I mean, it, it was disgusting. Texas State had 444 yards of offense. Wyoming had 305 yards per play. Wyoming four and a half. Texas State 5.8. Texas State should have won that game 95% of the time, and they lost by yeah. nine and didn't cover. Gresh had 400 yards passing. It was yeah, really a, a blown. 400 yards against Wyoming, and then just one pick six. To top it all off, Texas State ends with the ball at the mm. Wyoming five-yard line on first and goal. And there was a personal foul in Wyoming and the refs incorrectly kept the, kept the clock going. And then they rushed and just threw it in the ground and the game ended. Got to get that plane home from San Marcos. No, so I have a couple of box score frauds for me. Uh, UAB looks like they beat Akron 31 to 20. Uh, there was only a difference of 10 yards in the, in, in the total yards. Uh, Mac, these Mac teams just find ways not to cover. I, I know. Uh, UAB was given two fumbles. Uh, and UAB limited Akron to 1.2 yards per carry on 29 attempts. UAB is not... They need to be power rated probably the same as Akron. It's not looking good through two games. Bowling Green had five first downs and went 0 for 11 on third downs uh, against Kansas State. So that dream offensive performance they had against Morgan State in week one, Bowling Green is out. All right. That is not a play on team. Uh, Kansas State just walloped them. Uh, Mississippi State won the yardage 386 to 344 and needed three turnovers to cover uh, and win by 23. So that one kind of caught my eye. Charlotte is the big boy. Charlotte is playing UMass this week and Charlotte is not going to be talked about by any podcast in the world except for us. They outgained Charlotte out- is the big boy. That's a brand new sentence. <laughs> Charlotte 49ers uh, outgained Appalachian State 533 to 458. They had 24 first downs versus App State 16. They completed a low, you know, 4 of 12 on third down and they gave up two turnovers. 
but they still comfortably covered. Like they were within one score to end the game and then they went to onside the kick and App State ran it back for a touchdown. They still comfortably covered losing by that much. So Charlotte's making some noise. I mean, they did this in week one. They're, they're offensively got it figured out. They're putting points up on the board. Now they get a UMass team. They might put up, I don't know, 60. LaTeX was outgained by Grambling, 455 to 390. Yeah. Uh, Grambling had a, had a turnover there in the what they call the Buddy Bowl. Uh, so, you know, look out for LaTeX. And UMass gave up 500 yards to Southern Illinois. I think we've talked about that in a 45-20 loss. I want to talk about I'm gonna, let me pivot out of box score frauds. I just want to put some highlights in for next week. Uh, real quick, Ryan Helinski, brother of Tyler Helinski, uh, uh, is the one who's filling in for Jake Bentley at South Carolina. He went for 282 on 24 of 30 passing, had uh, two TDs and one interception against Charleston Southern. Key takeaway here, Ryan Helinski, I think, is an upgrade from Jake Bentley. South Carolina is going to Alabama this week, so it's not really going to be a fun week for him, but I think it's an upgrade from Jake Bentley. Sam Howell hit a 20-yard pass on 4th and 17 for North Carolina. Under three minutes left to play to lead a comeback against Miami. That kid, that kid is steel. Dylan Gabriel took over for Brandon Wimbush in Central Florida. He only had seven completions, but they went for 245 yards, so still just as explosive. Uh, all right. Yeah, there you have it. Keep your eye out on Charlotte. You're only going to get that on a Monday morning podcast here. Um, I'll have to dig into them because I haven't had my eye on them and I haven't finished going through all the box scores today. Uh, but let's talk some of the conferences that we didn't get to. We mentioned the Syracuse-Maryland game. There's two other games I wanted to talk about in the ACC. Miami, 0-2 for the first time since 1978. And North Carolina comes through in the money line. You're 2-0. I'm 0-2, although I, I feel... I feel like I got fucked in both weeks. Um, <laughs> but Miami outgained UNC by 100, and UNC converted – Sam Howell has some magic going. He, they converted a fourth yep. and 16 in that game and then went down and scored a touchdown. And then Miami missed a 50-yard field goal to tie it. And Miami is 0-2 for the first time since 1978, which was one up in Tennessee, who somehow lost again. They should cancel that program. I mean, how do you lose that game at BYU? You cut the SEC. The to the team in the country. <laughs> you, you can't stop them from completing a 60-yard pass 15 seconds ago, Joe Flacco to Jacoby Jones style. Come on. Just just cut the SEC down to eight teams. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Uh, send, send Tennessee and, and Arkansas to the belt. Don't let the ladies come between you and the belt. But, yeah, in Tennessee, for I think I went to the first time in 31 years. But the other game I wanted to talk about, so UNC Miami, get your thoughts on, and Florida State. Can, I already did my rant, but you, La Monroe, you're fucking La Monroe. Do you understand that? You're La Monroe. You're not Florida State. You're La Monroe. You're not in the ACC. You're not going to the college football playoff. You're La Monroe. You go for two at Florida State to beat Florida State. You don't kick an extra point in overtime and then miss the extra point because you're mm-hmm. La Monroe. These teams not going for two are crazy. The, the rule of thumb is, is like, if you are massively, if you are massively beaten in the talent department, you go for two in overtime. Every right? time. Yeah. And yeah, then, I mean, especially on the road, sometimes you can say, you know, let me extend it in, because I'm at home, but on the road and as a big underdog, there is zero excuse to not go for two. All right. And, and then is UNC legit or is they a semi-box score fraud? I'm on the Longo train. I'm on, I'm on the Bateman train. Uh, Mac Brown's just a CEO of the program. These two coordinators I got are excellent. I mean, Sam Howell is a freshman. The kid's got shades of Joe Burrow. He's just in there sitting in the pocket and drilling things from fourth and 17 against this vaunted Miami defense. I, I can't get enough Tar Heels this year. Yeah, Miami's the best 0-2 team in the country. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for their fans because they've done some good things. Um, now, luckily, they have Bethune-Cookman and then Central Michigan coming in um, so they can take out some of their frustrations. Let's move on quickly and talk Big Ten. 
you know, Ohio State, I don't think we, either of us were surprised. They rolled Cincinnati. Cincinnati, just no offensive line. And, and you can beat them in the secondary. The whole handicap was Cincinnati is a good rush defense, but you can beat them in the secondary, and that's what happened. Yeah, and they just can't protect. I don't think I learned a lot about Ohio State, but I'm, I'm, I've been bumping them up. They're a little better than I thought. Um, Iowa rolled Rutgers, which also told me how bad UMass was when Rutgers lost 30 to nothing. Purdue covered against Vanderbilt. He sent Vanderbilt to the, to the belt as well. Um, Wisconsin <laughs> continued to roll. You know, Illinois struggled one, didn't cover. Minnesota gets a huge win for me in the win total. Two, it's two prayer wins to start the year. Yikes. Mm-hmm. But they're 2-0. and oh. But the game I think is worth talking about is Colorado-Nebraska. Choke job by Nebraska. Get that team out of the top 25 fire, and fire that t- top 25 rank to the moon. Uh, team was overrated. The love was too soon. You know, they should have lost to South Alabama. If you look at the box score, it should be 0-2. Horn, how do you, th- how do you think about that, Corn fans? Uh, <laughs> so this loss was justified, even though it was pretty unlucky, but huge win for Colorado. Uh, thoughts there? I mean, I'm happy for my Nebraska under eight and a half. That was a plus juice everywhere that I could scoop it up. Adrian Martinez, 66 rushing yards on 19 attempts. Something is broken there. Something is broken. Uh, you know, Nebraska had just five more total yards and had an extra turnover. The offense is broken. Yeah, Conference USA, SMU. Yeah, remember I said I was trying to figure out who's going to be that surprise team. I think it's, I mean, SMU looks terrific. They yes. trucked North Texas. Here's the thing. Who, who, someone told me, got into my mentions and said, how long into the podcast until you guys convince me to play Texas State against SMU? I'm already, I don't, I'm already dreading even looking at that game. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we, talk, we talked about some teams we were right on preseason. Let's talk about some teams we were wrong on. Florida International, yikes, disappointing. And I, I have a future on them in Conference USA mm-hmm. uh, and over eight wins. That's not good. Um, and then FAU, yeah. I mean, Lane, sad. I got nothing <laughs> else. What a sad effort by FAU. Uh, against Central Florida. That yeah, game was never close. They gave they were outgained by almost 300 yards. They gave up 8.6 yards per play, had 3.7 yards per play. Lane Kiffin can fuck off. Yeah, zero defense for FAU. And then on the FIU front, the offense is not what it was last year. Captain James Morgan was three for 11, was lifted. Kalen Wiggins comes in, goes two for six at quarterback. I think he gets hurt and Morgan comes back in. He threw 200. for 66 yards. <laughs> <laughs> is that right? Like, is the yes. box score wrong? No, no, there's no glitch on your screen there. Uh, FIU, just 217 total yards yesterday. I mean, how much uh, do I got to drop these guys? I mean, they're the cold product now. We ain't touching it now. Well, luckily they got New Hampshire this week, so I don't have to even look at their game really this yeah, but week. You, you know you will, though. You'll take New Hampshire. Well, then they're at La Tech, so like, and that's a team that, that's also dropping. So that right. should be an interesting game. Yeah, absolutely. La Tech uh, put up a terrible box score against Grambling. Should have lost. For the people out there, we have to talk about the SEC. Man, I had Tulane who should have covered. Uh, Bo Nix was unimpressive to me again. Auburn's defense looked great. They covered by a half point, one by 18. You know, we talked about LSU, Texas. Clemson did their thing against Texas A&M. Missouri cared. Bama played Little Sisters of the Poor and couldn't cover. Congrats. You know, Florida and Kentucky beat bad opponents. We'll get to that game next week. I think the one game that we need to talk about is Tennessee-BYU. BYU... It's just a huge win for win totals. Tennessee, do they quit now? What's going on? Does Pruitt have to go? They have Chattanooga at home, then they're at Florida. 
So you assume they're starting one and three, but what are you doing with both of those teams after that game? Yeah, Tennessee's taking a dive in the power ratings. Uh, they were just outmanned in the trench and they let BYU hang around. I knew BYU was better than what they showed against, you know, with the three, with the whole bunch of turnovers, the three turnovers in the fourth quarter. We were always a buyer on Zach Wilson. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was on BYU yesterday. I had no problems with the, especially the three and a half in the hook. Tennessee, the offensive play calling has been poor. And Jeremy Pruitt basically said that in his post game presser, like, we've got to figure out offensively, like, how to do this and how to do that. This is offensive coordinator Jim Chaney, the Kirby Smart said, you know, they had a mutual agreement to get Jim Chaney out of there from calling plays. And now Jim Chaney is at Tennessee and they can't figure out how to get points on the board when they get into the red zone. Things have not changed. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. All right. So it's time to go three and out. Uh, let's start with what happened today in the NFL. Let's get into the day really quick. We won't spend too much time on it because listen, it's week one. And if there's one thing I can tell everybody, it's to relax. That's it. Relax. It's the NFL. Week one last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he put up 50 points in New Orleans. And the Bucks beat the Saints. Chill. There's random things that happen. It was a terrible NFL Sunday as far as entertainment is concerned. Cliff Kingsbury tied. Somehow, what are your thoughts on NFL today, Colin? I, I was happy that I had Carolina and Tampa Bay. They both uh, combined for a billion turnovers with some superior quarterback play. And then this is the fantastic Thursday night football game that we're going to get here. You know, the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. By the way, Colin, <laughs> what are you going to put next weekend? Patriots at Dolphins after what happened? It What's the going to be? 64? Can't set a line high enough. Am I going to have to look at the Dolphins? There's no way I bet the Patriots line's going to be ridiculous. How do you put a line out? Someone asked me and I said 70. If I gave you 21, would you take the Dolphins? You have to, but like, no. you can't. I think I'm staring at a 15 and a half. Maybe a stale line. I'm just going to run down as quick as I can in two minutes. We'll do a two-minute drill. The Bills beat the Jets, and if the Jets can't win that game, four nothing turnovers with a safety and a pick six, and they lose 17-16 at home to Josh Allen, I'll pat myself on the back saying I wrote all week about the special teams differential, worst to first. Bills were worse last year. Jets were first. And I said it's going to reverse itself. The Jets lost their all-world returner, all-world kicker. They had missed an extra point in a field goal. Sam Darnold is not a thing. That game was awful. The Patriots yeah, in another tough division. With Their division is the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins. Colin Wilson is a new quarterback next year for the Patriots. They still win the division. Imagine being a Jets and a Mets fan right now. So Eagles somehow are down by 30 to the Redskins. And then come back. Sometimes it's that easy. Chiefs beat the Jags. One of my biggest plays today was Jags. Happily admit I'm wrong. I could sit here and say, Nick Foles got hurt. He can't. Gardner Minshew came in and balled out. The Chiefs were that much better, and it was the Jags' defense that I was wrong about. Rams, I got Panthers second half, Panthers teaser. By the way, read the teaser article, all the pieces in. But my one unlucky piece today was the Panthers' first half. It was Texas State. They had like seven yards in the first half. They got like a, a prayer lateral pass, and then blew up in the second half, just like they did last year. Panthers luckily got in the back door for us, covered the tees. Atlanta looked awful. Tennessee, can we please talk about the stains? <laughs> Once you're the stains, you're the stains until you show you're not the stains. It's going to take a couple weeks until we get value again with the Browns because there's this Browns hype out there. Maybe it's just another week or two. I don't know. But all this love for the Browns, and you had to expect this coming. They lose by 30 Mm-hmm. at home to the Titans. I didn't know the Titans could score 30 points in a game. Baker Mayfield is still on the bench crying. They've called the police department, and they can't. he's still on the bench. 
So you can't expect anything other than the Browns to do that after all the high ball summer. Bet regret not betting the Titans. So the Browns, uh, which we have the wonderful experience of having them on Monday Night Football with the Jets next week, same total yards as the Titans, but they had 18 penalties for 182 yards and three turnovers, and they went one for 10 on third down. Terrible. Lower level execution and coaching. Uh, cash those Brown Super Bowl tickets. Are you taking anything from the Titans, though? Like, this is what I was saying. Like, my preaching in the NFL is all these teams are so similar. They're all in, like, a huge clump. And then there's, like, you know, the Patriots. And then at the very bottom, you have the Dolphins. And then it's just going to come down to a couple plays that go here and there. So I think they're around in seven, eight win teams. So I just keep going back to I never take anything away from week one there's nothing that could happen in week one besides injuries that has me saying like oh my god this this team is king of the world but no there's nothing that could happen all right let me keep moving down the line here the ravens beat the dolphins 59 10 i take nothing from it uh ravens by the way minus 13 ish at home i said i don't delete tweets if i ever bet cliff kingsbury i will delete my account a man of my word so i can't bet the Cardinals next weekend but I would look at them. Dallas rolled. Cliff Kingsbury tied the pencil. What a just result. San Fran won. Chargers won in overtime. And then New England did what New England did. That's pretty much the Sunday slate. There's not much you know, injuries. You have Nick Foles who went out. I mean, was there any other injuries of note or anything that happened that made you say, whoa? A few ejections, but injury-wise, I mean, my focus was on the Chargers' left side of their offensive line because, you know, their left guard is one of the worst-ranked guards in all of uh, PFF, and left tackle was a backup for Russell Okung, and it was just Rivers was under pressure all day long. It's, uh, you know, so I think that's something to look for, their health for next week. The left side of the offensive line is just in shambles. Second down, uh, before we get to the two Monday night games, Colin, I have to ask you, we have college lines out. You mm-hmm. put some out on the app. We'll talk about them all throughout the week on our content on the Action app and actionnetwork.com. And obviously, if you follow us on the app, you'll get notifications. But just throw out uh, a game or two, and you better mention UTSA. A game or two that people should get now before the line drops below a key number. I'm going to put... My uh, mortgage on Colin mentioning Phil Longo and or North Carolina. Ready to go. <laughs> All right. So North Carolina is going to play earlier. <laughs> it's a one-hour bus ride over to Wake Forest. So the numbers opened up at three and a half, came down to three, uh, caught some love from me and I guess a few other people, and then it's back up to three and a half. I will say, I don't expect this line to move. The people, the early action is all over North Carolina. People are seeing that North Carolina is an extremely explosive offense and this Sam Howell kid playing quarterback. True freshman. Dropping 16 and then the game before, two fourth quarter drives, yes. 95 yards. The defense is actually doing pretty good. I went and I looked at yards per play, opponent yards per play, and Wake Forest's defense is everything that you would expect from a bottom feeder ACC defense. Uh, and I think that makes the big difference in this game. I think North Carolina has been the more efficient defense. Uh, I think they're going to be able to get Wake Forest off the field in certain spots. I mean, it's only an hour drive. Uh, I like North Carolina here. The market still is not caught up to them. I have this game as a pick. That tells me that the market is still three points off of where the Tar Heels are. But if they put one here on Wake Forest, that's it. I mean, everybody will be caught up and know what's going on with North Carolina. All right, let's, uh, we'll get to the rest of Collins' cards and obviously check his shit out on the app to see what he's on. All right, so let's move on to third down before we get out of here. All right, so we have two Monday night games. We have starting at 7, 10 p.m. So if you have to go to work, at least you have two games when you get back. But we start early and we end late. 7, 10 Eastern, the Texans at the Saints. Saints sitting right now at six and a half point home favorites over under right around 52, 52 and a half juiced if you look other places. Look, this game... I've seen very good cases for both sides. I might play the Saints. I actually make it seven on the dot, but I feel like I'm higher on the Saints and lower on the Texans than most. And the reason is 
the, the two biggest questions for the Texans, and if you look back at what they were last year, they had a great run defense. But their secondary, a lot of questions. They traded for a great tie. They traded for Tunsil and with the with the Dolphins tanking, their offensive line still a major question mark. But they were playing in a division last year that was just so down. They didn't play great quarterbacks. I still don't trust their secondary. That's not good against the Saints. And I still don't trust their offensive line. And what this comes down to, to me, is the Saints secondary. And this is why I'm kind of on the fence with betting this game or not. But I'm leaning towards the Saints because one of the oddest things in the NFL over the last two seasons is figuring out who the Saints secondary is, right? So Marshawn Lattimore, well, he, he was the next Deion Sanders for the first month or two. When he came on as a rookie, right? And then he struggled. Same thing on the other side. And then they signed Eli Apple. And the Saints secondary has been so up and down. And last year, they were rated so poorly against the pass. But if you look at the back end of that schedule last year, when Apple coming in, they moved Williams to the inside, their secondary started coming together. And I tend to believe in Lattimore's talent. What he showed, he's not as, as elite as he showed his first couple weeks when he was a rookie, but he's not as bad as he was bad when he was struggling. And now coming into his third year, I think that that secondary has so much talent that I think people are underestimating it now. And I just am not as high on the Texans because of that offensive line, because of that secondary. Yes, they have a lot of talent, but I feel like I'm higher on the Saints, lower on the Texans than most, but I make it seven. So Maybe a game I stay away from, but I know that the Saints want this. This is the team I mentioned earlier that's lost five season openers in a row. Like five. Pretty crazy. You know, a lot of that maybe might be randomness, but they've talked about it. They say we're going to change things up. What are you seeing here? Anything? So, I mean, like you, I, it should be seven. Looking at our projections on the site, it should be seven. So, I think all you can bring in really is your preseason thoughts about these two teams, which I was higher on Houston because I thought Deshaun Watson would get a little bit more protection, have a little bit better trench play. And I was really low on the New Orleans Saints because, you know, they didn't cover their final five games. I think they've covered once their last five times at home. Uh, I think they're regressing more than people realize. It's starting to show up in, in their yards per play and their adjusted sack rate down the stretch last year. I just... I don't think they're as good of an offense, so it kind of makes me lean towards the under in this game also. So I know I'm kind of playing with fire, taking an under in the dome and favoring the dog, but, I mean, that's really how I feel about starting off. It's just not a game I want to force the bet. I mean, look, in, it's pretty crazy what the Saints, because the Saints have played at home in a lot of these games, and they haven't won a season opener since 2013. Maybe it's completely random, but it's obviously in their head. They've talked about it and trying to change things up. I don't know if what is going on there, but eh, I would lean Saints, I guess, but it's a game I want to stay away from, and then Take a look at these week one games, and you know people tend to overreact in the first half. There's a team that's just completely lucky in the first half. You saw it today with the Jets. You saw it today with the Rams. You know maybe there's an opportunity for a second half bet. Keep your eyes out on the Action app and ActionNetwork.com as we said before. So let's move on to the second game. Oh boy! So this is just <laughs> complete drama fest. We have no Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. By the way, from what we saw tonight from the Patriots, they sure could use Antonio Brown. Good God. Uh, so we have the Raiders at home, two and a half point dogs. This thing looks like it might get to three. And if it does, I might have to look at the Oakland Raiders. Oh, please tell me not. Uh, the one thing I'll say here is I think that the you know Vic Fangio hiring, I think the, the Broncos with their corners, I think they have, you know, obviously they have some talent up front. But if you look at that entire roster and what Fangio is going to do, I think this defense has the chance to be really special. But the one thing I will say is numbers are important in the NFL. Obviously around sevens and threes, 
I don't have a huge feel in this game. If it gets to three, I'm going to look at Oakland, unfortunately. I'm going to look at the game under. But what I will say, and I'm just going to spend 30 seconds on this. If you look pre-2015 at NFL totals, you would say, okay, if it's 42, 45, I got to get the total before it drops below there. But what a lot of people don't understand is since the extra point rule change, 43 is a huge number. It actually was between 2015 and 2017. We have to update the numbers. It was the most common total. It jumped from like 2.6% to 4% of games ended on 43. So before the extra point rule change, when a game went from like 43.5 to 42.5, it was nowhere close to as big of a deal as it is now because extra points used to be completely automatic. So just keep that in mind. In the future, and the reason I bring it up is because it applies to this game. This total opened at 43 and a half, and now it's sitting at 42 and a half, 42. And I can just picture, you know, myself in 20, 2009, 2012, looking and saying, eh, it doesn't really matter. But 43 is actually an important number now. What do you got? Yeah, I've got an entire plan for this game. First off, I am going to play Oakland. Uh, if it says a two and a half and, and I can get a flat two and a half, I'll take it, <laughs> start the car. Uh, if, if a three pops, great. I'll take that too. I'm going to wait it out until we get to that game to see if I can get a three, see if there's a lot of rush of extra public money that's coming in to bet against Oakland. It's not that I'm in love with them. Uh, the number is fine. We The Action Network, our power ratings make it five-point separation between Denver and Oakland. So if you give them two and a half points for playing out there in uh, the parking lot that hosts Oracle and, uh, and where the A's play, then uh, you would make this game two and a half. So first off, I think Denver's trash. Uh, offensively, I think they're complete trash. But it's not really so much about that. It's the fact that there's been so much negativity around Oakland. And there's just been so much talk. And I think, I, I think genuinely Gruden and Mayock and everybody out there want wants to set a tone. They, I think they want to establish a culture. I really think they want to do things the right way. And I think in their minds, they've now built it up that they've cut a cancer out. And I think they're going to sell that to the team. And I think everybody's going to come together. I've seen this before. It doesn't matter what sport it is. It's college basketball. It doesn't matter what it is. When a team cuts out of cancer, you get their best performance right after that. I think this roster is going to come together. So I'll bet it. And if it wins, I'm going to directly turn around and wait for this Broncos number that's at a pick against the Bears. And I'm going to take the Broncos as what? Plus one, plus two, whatever they steam to from losing against the Raiders. I might bet the Raiders. I will want it so bad. I know it's a short week, but Mitch Bortles, Vic Fangio in Denver. You've just been Bortled. The easiest bet in the world. There will not be many more times we'll get the fade Mitch Bortles. And look, I watched Joe Flacco more than anyone in the world. There is not a worse quarterback in the regular season than Joe Flacco. I mean, I've seen this man go 9 for 27 with three picks and just not look like he's ever played quarterback in his life. I've seen some absolute shit shows on the road against horrendous teams. One of the reasons I also like the unders, I think the Oakland defense through their draft, and I think it'll be better than what it was last year. And if you want, you know, you can do worse things with your money than fade Joe Flacco in the regular season on the road. Yeah, and I, I just hope Oakland wins because then I'm going to turn around and, and I just know Denver against the spread week one and week two at mile high is just an un, one of the most unbelievable Amazing. things. Uh, and so I will happily take a Denver team that comes off a loss to Oakland uh, hosting the Bears. That's an easy play. Yeah. Now, it's pretty amazing to me that, I mean, you have John Elway getting all of this flack. See what I did there? For his quarterback selections. And he's putting it all on Flacco. I mean, it's crazy. And this isn't Flacco. Flacco was drafted 10, 10 years ago. I mean, this is a crazy move for the Broncos that could completely backfire. I just don't say it. I mean, Joe Cool is Joe Cool in the playoffs and he doesn't get rattled. The numbers don't lie. I mean, Joe Flacco, at this point of his career, he's not going to turn around your franchise. I, I was shocked by this move. I figured Flacco would be somewhere backing up somebody. Super MVP, Joe Flacco. Shout out to him. All right. 
that'll do it for us. Thanks, Colin, for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for listening, as always. You know the drill. Review, rate, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again. Please leave a comment. It really helps. Tell a friend. We appreciate you all listening. Don't forget about the voicemail. Unfortunately, we don't have any college football this week until Friday, which we'll cover on our show. That comes out on Friday. If you liked this NFL rambling, we'll have more. I'll be on with Chris Raybon talking about the week two slate and Thursday night football, which comes out on Thursday. We also have our fantasy show with the best fantasy people in the business that comes out on Wednesday. And Kyle and I will be back on Thursday night talking about the entire week two slate. And guess what? Alabama doesn't play Little Sisters of the Poor. So maybe we'll talk about Alabama. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you all on Friday. Cheers. Peace out.